0: Make every night legendary. Guys, we have had some pretty legendary nights, but we've also had some nights that weren't so legendary. The non-legendary nights are done. Tonight is gonna be legendary.
1: Fans to another episode of the legendary Staios podcast. I'm Chris, and I'm here with Jordan. What up? What up? What up? Jordan, I did not get drafted this week. I could have been drafted this week because lesser players than me were.
0: Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think you could have gotten drafted higher than a uh, bowl bowl. <sighs> What's with the bowl bowl? Hey, I don't know. Apparently they don't like a man with a double name
1: and a Spider-Man suit. It's like he got yeah. he didn't like real Spider-Man. So he was getting rants and rays about this. We've seen this type of stuff before. That Spider suit looked like something off Sixty Third Street.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't like it. I, I I don't know what that was. Uh, he could have kept that.
1: Did you ever go shopping on Sixty Third in the hostel as a youth, Jordan? Um, <laughs> no.
0: That wasn't my neck of the woods. I was further east.
1: Oh, you should have made the trip. That was an uh, eventful shopping, my friend. <laughs> all the uh all the fake goods, the the knockoffs, the the niches, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the- <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Reboot, all that, all that. That's hilarious. But the NBA draft analysis, we'll get into that. Or do you want to do Bulls first? It's your call.
0: Hey, man, I say we get into the draft and then we can dive right into the Bulls after.
1: Okay, of course, we're not going to discuss every pick because we'd be here all day talking about. Absolutely. Just the most important. Yeah. So number one was clearly... uh, It was pretty clear for weeks, months, almost a year, really. Zion Williamson, the number one pick for the New Orleans Pelicans. And I I said it once and I'll say it again, and and too bad it's a missed opportunity. It would have been a very dynamic thing to see... Zion Williamson and Anthony Davis together.
0: Yeah, I, (laughs) to Dren, if Anthony Davis would have been okay with staying here and maybe building something special with Zion, that would have been really, really nice. You talk about that kind of front court uh, dynamic, can shoot, can pass, uh, height, defense, all of that, man. That, That would have been
1: something special to see. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But people are still saying that David Griffin is the magician of this draft because he kept flipping things, moving picks, getting players. <sighs> yeah. I'm not I'm not a fan, man. I'm not. I don't you think know? anything I don't think David Griffin did anything overly special.
0: Well, I mean, he did get a lot of draft capital. He he got like fifty thousand picks from everybody. So, he's trying to be the new uh, uh, Danny Ainge, I guess, of no the sick. NBA. No <laughs> <sick>. <laughs> he is what man? That's 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 the same route that he took, man. You know, it didn't work out for Boston, but uh, it's a, it's a good it's a good direction. It's a good direction. I will say. I mean, if you're giving up a superstar generational talent like Anthony Davis, you hope to get a whole lot of things back of value. You know, you hope to get uh, uh, a lot of potential back in a in a Brandon Ingram and in Alonzo or Josh Hart, you know, along with pairing up uh with uh with Zion and all those different picks that uh are gonna be coming down the pipeline in, in, in years to come, that's that's gonna be a game changer potentially.
1: You never know. You never know. People can say what they want about Danny range and love him or hate him. But Danny Ainge, and th- and it's worked out really to his detriment. But when people say that David Griffin is doing the new Boston thing, I'm I'm not feeling it. Danny Ainge fleeced people to the point he <laughs> won so many trades that nobody wants to trade with him anymore. That's true. Yeah, Danny Ainge a- took balance. Danny Ainge took two fossils and turned it into picks for five years. Yeah, David Griffin couldn't get that off a top five player.
0: I mean, that's true. That's true. I don't know what they were thinking back then, but hey. And apparently, they thought Paul Pierce and Kevin Kevin
1: Garnett were uh, in their primes. Well, he took advantage of a, of a fan base that was kind of new and fledgling and wanted to see immediate success. A front office that wanted to see immediate success. And they thought that by bringing in two Hall of Famers, who may have had a couple years left, they'd hop right into the playoffs, which they kinda did. They'd hop right into the playoffs and be a contender, but
0: right. little
1: did they know that, you know, those guys, the Joe Johnson, the Paul Pierce, the Kevin Garnett, those guys were on the back leg of their career.
0: Right. Right.
1: But yeah, I, I'm not buying the whole uh David Griffin thing being Danny Age. He's he's regular. I mean, if if he was so great, never mind. Never mind. He's just regular to me. (laughs) I'm I'm not feeling that, dude. It's something not right. It's something not right. It ain't sitting well with you, huh? It's not not sitting well with me, Hoss. (laughs) I got you, boss. After Zion Williamson, John Morant goes to the Grizzlies. And of course, uh, the precursor for that was the trade of Mike Conley, so they they opened the door wide open for that and said, "Hey, John, this is your team. So you're gonna live and die with John Morant." And I like those odds.
0: I do too. Yeah, now it's just a matter of building around him. Uh, trying to think, who who else do they have there? Of course, they got JJJ there. They got. Uh, oh my goodness.
1: Dylan, don't call me Marshawn Brooks.
0: Yeah, yeah, he is a nice piece. I do like his energy. I like his his, his game. He is somebody who uh, who, who gets after it. Uh, they have some some good pieces to build off of, but of course, now that John Moran is there, uh, he's the centerpiece. He's the future, so they're going to have to build around him. Um, and uh, that, that that that's a good starting
1: point. And are they going to keep Jonas of Valanciunas?
0: Well, I, That I don't know. Was he any good this year? Heard a lot. His See that, 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 that was his issue in Toronto, too. So, I, I mean, you don't know how long he's going to last. His
1: 2019 was real ouchy.
0: <laughs> a lot of ouchies going on this uh, past NBA year.
1: That's called tanking, Jordan.
0: Yeah,
1: well, hey. Adam, Adam Silver's trying to kill that thing with a stake. Yeah, so we move on. I, oh, go ahead.
0: No, I you you just made me mad again because that that the way that old draft thing went down, bulls got screwed, but I digress.
1: No, they didn't. No, they didn't. You had a general manager whose specific job was his specific point of all of this. He said, You're either gonna stop tanking me because I tell you or I'll force you to stop tanking. And he forced them to stop tanking by making sure that the tankiest teams, the trashiest teams didn't win the draft. And, yeah. and to revive the uh, lowest fan base slash media markets and to kind of get New York somebody because it was a three-man draft. So you put New York third to make sure they get somebody to be relevant.
0: Yeah, we couldn't do that for Chicago, huh? Even though I, I will say, I, I, I love, we'll talk about it in a minute, but I do love how we ended up. But uh, couldn't, couldn't get us up a little higher? Huh? Couldn't do that for us, Adam? But if you love the pick you got, what does it matter? I know. I'm just saying it just so happened to fall in a place like that because of certain trades and stuff. But look, I would have loved if we would have been guaranteed a great player by being in the top three. You know what I'm saying? Like, Come on. Yeah,
1: we'll get to that. So the fourth pick is where everything gets funky. Funky. So the Lakers, Lakers got the pick. I'm going to show you just how twisted this whole situation is. And I'm, I'm not going to, you know, this is totally off base and it's not real life. But I think mm. that in, anything that these sports leagues have their hands in are a precursor to what's really going to happen. I mean, people do it all the time. They play 2K, the season's going to win the finals. They do mock drafts in 2K to see who's going to draft, just for fun. So I happen to be in the middle of my 2K franchise, mm-hmm. right? and this—I don't know if you noticed—LeBron aggravates me in anything surrounding him. So, and it's not—it's not entirely his fault. It's some of his fault. He says—he says things, and his fan base makes it worse. But you know, it is what it is. You know okay. on 2K, this, this happened to me, Jordan. Some, I'm in, the, in my off season, right? Okay, and okay. Kevin Durant is a free agent. Now, this is Kevin Durant without an Achilles tear. So Kevin Durant's a free agent, right? Lakers popped, capped out, right? So okay. somehow in the lottery, the Lakers get the number one pick in Zion Williamson. No, I take that back. In the lottery on, on my two K season, Lakers get the number three pick, and somehow Zion Williamson drops to three.
0: Wait so like, a minute, who was taken before Zion Williamson?
1: RJ Burr and John Morant. So oh, that's crap. <laughs> I don't know how this happened, but this is this was is a, a uploaded draft class I had, right? So Zion Williamson drops to the Lakers. Then in free agency, Kevin Durant agrees in the moratorium to sign with someone, then the deal falls through and the Lakers sign him. (laughs) So, but because he agreed in the moratorium to sign with someone, I couldn't sign him. So I had to get Chris Middleton. (laughs) So after I agreed to terms with Chris Middleton, suddenly Kevin Durant comes back open and I spent 20 of my 30 million dollars. So well, now the Lakers end up with LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Zion Williamson as their front court.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you can't even win in a game.
1: <laughs> Not even in a video game, man. This dude wins everything in a video He gets all the players in the video game. That's anyway, just a little side pop. But back to the draft. We got Funky around the fourth pick, the uh, Lakers. Um, traded it to the Pelicans who retraded it to the Hawks so they could draft DeAndre Hunter at number yeah.
0: four. Yeah, yeah, I, I am a huge fan of DeAndre Hunter. Uh, kind of grew in me. I'm going to be honest. He kind of grew in me once March Madness got started and they got all the way to the championship. The way he played in those big moments when the light was on, I, I was highly impressed. Uh, I feel like his draft stock really, really reached a high when uh, they uh, went up against North Carolina. Or rather, I'm sorry, when they went up against uh, Jared Culver and those boys, I think head-to-head he had a way better game. uh, More efficient, had some clutch shots. And a lot of people are comparing him to uh, a Kawhi Leonard type who can kind of do both, uh, uh, who can uh, dominate on both ends of the floor on defense and offense. He's long. uh, He has an NBA-ready body. He's very Uh, uh, fundamental already it's very fundamentally sound Uh, so I think out of all of the different prospects he's the most NBA ready like when it comes to all the different tools obviously I'm not speaking down about Zion Zion's a crazy athletic freak but DeAndre Hunter just all around probably is the
1: most NBA ready player so you're not going to factor in this little dribbling problem he has
0: well, I mean, sometimes you, you're you not a, 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 a master of all things, but he's he's more of a jack-of-all-trades than, than most people. Zion doesn't have the best handles. Zion doesn't have the best free-throw percentage. Zion doesn't have the best three-point shot either. So, I mean, yeah, if it's one thing that DeAndre Hunter has to get better at, you know, off the top, it is his dribbling probably. But uh, I, I just think that when you compare him to all the other lottery picks and just players in general coming out of the draft, he is the most NBA-ready.
1: Andre Hunter can't create his own shot
0: yet. I beg to differ. I think he can do a little bit better. He came from Virginia. Virginia isn't the most high-octane offense. You think about that. This year they were. Plays- Huh?
1: This year Virginia played faster.
0: They might because have played faster, have the but athletes, they're not, they're yeah. not like – I don't know, man. I, just my opinion. I think that they're a little bit, you know, slower. Like, like when you compare them to a North Carolina who just, just keeps the pace up, just fast-paced offense. I, I think that DeAndre Hunter is is kind of underrated with some of the things that he can do. Uh, I think he's going to be a very good NBA player.
1: I'm not saying he's not going to be a good NBA player, but I just thought the saying Use no, th- I know you're not. Was a stretch. I mean, I even go as far as to say R.J. Barrett has a better toolkit than him.
0: Maybe maybe in certain areas he's better. I just think overall, I mean, that's just my opinion. You, you probably are right. You know, I could see R.J. Barrett being the most NBA-ready too. But, you know, if I had to debate it, I would say DeAndre Hunter's in that conversation.
1: Okay, right. I mean, I would hope so. He's the fourth pick.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true.
1: Then you I got Darius and Jordan Love and so did Cleveland, so they're going to try to have a a Portland East. We see how that goes with him in college section. Right, right. The Suns went out and got Jared Culver, and then well, really they traded that pick to the Timberwolves, who got Jared Culver. Like this is where I'm a little iffy on this. Because you don't think the Timberwolves
0: needed a point guard? Timberwolves definitely need a point guard. I heard Jeff Teague was getting shipped. Uh, Derek Rose might be on his way out the door uh, with how good of a season he had. Hopefully he comes back home. Wink, wink. But uh, I think Minnesota definitely needs a point guard. Uh, at least some fresh blood in there. So they kind of whiffed on that. I think that maybe they were looking to get a Darius Garland. But uh, – Kobe White was there for him too, but thankfully, you know, he didn't get picked up and they got Jared Culver. So I I don't know, man, that's, that's maybe that. And I'm trying to think who is there small for, well, you got Andrew Wiggins there and you already know he hasn't lived up to any kind of potential, you know, overall in the league. So maybe they're thinking, okay, well, let's kind of have our safe net because Andrew's not, not working out. Perhaps they may look to move him. Free up some space, I I'm not sure, and start back over with the Jerick Hover, who's a two-way player, very good two-way player. You never know.
1: Andrew Wiggins is still 23. Now, albeit He hasn't lived up to it. He's falling vastly short of my expectations. But Andrew Wiggins yes. is still 23 years old. He's making $20 million that you just paid him. So he ain't going nowhere. Well, Robert Covington? You know, who's a very solid player. Yes, he is. Your biggest issue was point guard, where Jeff Teague wasn't stable. I just think the Timberwolves uh, dropped the ball on that. Yeah. We'll skip seven for obvious reasons. Then uh, we'll just move down a little bit. Uh, Of course, the the Hawks uh, in the pick that was traded to the Pelicans at number eight. Um. Tyson Chandler 2.0, Jackson Hayes. The yeah. coveted Rui Hashimura went at 9, and the Hawks actually hauled in Cam Ranch, so I thought uh, his stock started to go up, and he might, in kind fact, of end up being the steal of the draft.
0: You think he might be the steal of the draft going to Atlanta?
1: He could be at 10. And then uh, Chumo KK goes to the Orlando Magic at 16. as a uh, the sleeper pick of Mr. Sean Devin. And then, Goga Betadze went to the Pacers at 18. He is of note because he is the other part of the viral pick where all the reporters went to Zion and none of the reporters went to him. I kind of hope this guy comes in with a chip on his shoulder.
0: I've, I've actually never heard of this guy, but hopefully he does and uh, proves uh, everybody wrong.
1: He's a shooter. He's a shooter. So, uh, Pacers loading up on foreign shooters.
0: Oh, okay. Okay.
1: But we'll stop there and then, uh, you know, some other notable things. We talked about Bobo going in the second round and things of that nature. Uh, Jordan's favorite player, Kevin Porter, uh, going to the Pistons after. Yes, well, actually, he's going to the Cavs. Yeah, he's and going the to
0: Cleveland. Got traded, traded
1: that pick, uh, with Kevin Porter at thirty. Yeah, my pick, KZ Okpala, will end up with the Miami Heat somehow because a lot of moves were made on this draft day, and I say this: a lot of moves were made because the draft wasn't good. That's
0: true. There were a lot. There's a lot of question marks in this draft, like you. And me had talked to uh, Sean Devney about, I remember you asking him, you know, outside of the top three, which are kind of the proven or the most sure of the draft, you know, who in the world is there? And, you know, you don't really have too much of a, of a gap from four to about 20, I'd say, you know, even though I do kind of feel like we, uh, the, the Chicago Bulls, did get a, a very nice piece for what they needed. You know, you don't really have somebody that can that at at least from from first appearance stands out that much more than all the other people.
1: Exactly. Um, we can get to the Bulls. Oh, one, one more thing I want to say. You talking about Bobo? Bobo Bo ends up going to the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets have a, a couple draft stashes that can turn out well for them. Uh, they got Michael Porter Jr. They got Bobo. Bo. And if you're a winning team, you can afford to take that that sometimes damaged goods with high promise. Uh, you know, high ceiling, low floor guys. And you can take chances on them, and that's what Denver is doing. So we'll see how that turns out for them. Let's get to the Bulls. And with the seventh pick, the Chicago Bulls drafted Kobe White. And Jordan loves this pick also oh romantically. <laughs>
0: Romantically, huh? I fell in I fell in love with Kobe White at first hair. Not at first sight. No, dude, I, I I really, really like this pick. The more I, I kind of it kind of grows on me. It's like one of those those picks that you like, okay, let me look up this guy. The more I kind of evaluate the way he plays, his age, uh, which is is really it's what's intriguing to me. The dude's only nineteen. And you look at some of the tape on him, the the growth that he could potentially have in just a matter of of, of years, uh, already going to a team that desperately needs a point guard that can push the pace, kind of get to the to the new way of how NBA is being played today with the fast-paced offense and pushing the ball and also being able to shoot the rock. His shooting is very underrated. I like the way he shoots as well. Shooting for him is very quick. It's short and compact um, like a lot of today's good shooters are. So I think that with just a good work ethic, more time in the gym, getting stronger, sky's the limit for Kobe White. Uh, I, I think he's a little underrated. Uh, A lot of people are saying that he's just going to be average. I've heard some people say in our little circle that he's just another Chris Dunn. I don't even think anywhere near that, but uh, looking forward to seeing what he brings to the table, man.
1: The people you've heard say he's another Chris Dunn is me. So
0: I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want them to bust you out, but yeah, you're, you're crazy.
1: So is he another Chris Dunn? No, not exactly. He can shoot the three ball. He's faster. But he's not as good defensively. He's not 6'5". I don't care what anybody's telling He's closer to 6'3". Uh, and one he, more thing. One he's going to grow. He, sure. One more thing. So, <laughs> can we take Chauncey Billups off the draft? Okay, so I have to apologize because
0: I defended Chauncey to the death before before, mind you, I saw this little uh uh tweet or it was a it was a picture of all the different players and their player comparisons that Chauncey had uh uh stated and I know Kobe White was compared to Gilbert Arenas. Even Brendan Haywood, who was a teammate of Gilbert Gilbert Arenas, said that he sees that in Kobe White. I'll take that from him because he actually played with him. But when I saw the list of player comparisons that Chauncey had from this year's draft, I kind of was flabbergasted. So I'm gonna have to back up on 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 back off on my defending Chauncey Billups as a as an expert. Uh, he he might be smoking the ganja a little bit.
1: A little bit. Okay, he he created the whole ganja and just took it to the head. Cha- Chauncey's just. I mean, there's a lot of. I'm I'm hearing a lot of the Gilbert Arenas comps. I don't see it. I don't see it. <laughs> like, do do people remember what Gilbert Arenas was?
0: Now, he, here's 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 one thing that Brendan Haywood said. He sees Gilbert Arenas before he sees. The early stages of Gilbert Arenas and in, in Kobe White. Now, I don't have a problem still saying that that's what I potentially see because the way he, Gilbert Arenas used to attack before he had the breakout season when he became Agent Zero for real, he had some good years before that where he was just getting started. And he was still a very decent, very uh, reliable uh, shooter, capable scorer, and that's what I think Kobe White is. He's a capable scorer. That's why when I compared him initially, I said he's a faster Jamal Murray. And that's where where I kind of put him in the category of somebody who can break down an offense very quick, very quick twitch. He can, you know, uh, uh, switch uh, uh, direction very quickly going to the hole. A good finisher is a, has a nice underrated shot, in my opinion, which I think is is going to be the most underrated part of his game. He's going to be a good shooter. Uh, and yeah, man, he he just doesn't back down. He's OK on defense. All the things that I see Jamal Murray doing.
1: I'm of the belief that the Bulls drafted Kobe White because he's a try hard competitive guy <laughs> he's he's kind of like Black John Paxson, not in oh my god skill not in skill, Calm down. Not in skill but in mentality say. in mentality they like those try hard you know uber competitive fight bleed over everybody guys. You know, it's it's and it's cool to have competitive people. I mean, the greatest player of all time is one of the best if not the best competitor ever who put in the work and I get that. But it just seems like that's the basis for them picking him. So let me ask you a question. Remember when we
0: said if Kobe White and Darius Garland wasn't on the board who do you, who do we think that the Bulls were going to go after at seven? Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish, thank you.
1: Or, 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 trade is, I or, to or trade out.
0: out. So so let's just say they 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 got Cam Reddish. What is the one thing that people
1: are saying Cam Reddish is horrible at? Or do you do I don't, you know? I don't, I don't. I don't know. A lot of people. Are, a lot of people are excusing Cam Reddish because he played with two basically future NBA stars.
0: OK, well, here's the thing. Cam Reddish admitted that he is not a high motor person. The main thing that most scouts, most analysts are saying that is wrong with Cam Reddish is his motor, which equates to your drive or your competitive nature, your competitive drive. When the chips are down, are you going to push through and say, you know what? I'm not backing down from this challenge. I'm going to get what's mine. I'm going to do what I got to do to get this bucket. You're not going to beat me. That mindset is. It doesn't just come with the most talented people. You look at a player like Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler thinks he's the greatest player ever to, to walk the face of the earth. He probably thinks he's the greatest person to ever be created. But that mindset, you, you you only have that in certain certain types of people. If you look at some of the tape from when he was in, in high school and even in college, just the nature that he goes about his business, man. He's a competitive player. Yeah, the Bulls do kind of go after these try hard. Oh, you got to grind it out, hard hat, lunch pill. You know, that's that's all well and good, but on top of that, Kobe White has talent. He isn't just some guy like a Luol Deng or Jimmy Butler where he had to grow to get to to a certain level. Kobe White has talent already. You can see it and he's only 19. 6'5 point guard. Yeah, okay, maybe not a legitimate 6'5. He still has room to grow even into a height that he might be even taller than that. We I don't know. We'll see. He he probably's not done growing. But Kobe White you want those type of players. You want those type of players that's gonna that's gonna say, "I'm not backing down." You see that in Zion, and like I mentioned before, Zion, he doesn't. To me, he doesn't have all of the tools. He's not at like that 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 five tool player yet. Where you know he's great at dribbling, he's great at this, he's great at that, but he will just overwhelm you with his athleticism, his desire. To get to that ball, to get to that basket, to get the rebound, jump over you—those are things that you want in a player. Those are the little intangibles that you look for in a player, on top of the talent. At the same time,
1: no, and, and I, I get it. I get it. You know, the the he has some talent. I'm not. I never said Kobe White wasn't talented. And by the way, Jimmy Butler was talented. Coming out, if Jimmy mm-hmm. Butler didn't did. just like get to the NBA and decide to. Learn how to play basketball. I mean, the dude was talented. We, you know, I love Jimmy Butler before the whole Hollywood thing. But I'm not saying Kobe White isn't talented. Just he's got he's got bust written on him. Really.
0: I'm worried. Now, now, this is not the end-all, be-all, obviously. When you look at YouTube highlights, they usually show, obviously, the best of everything. But did you just so happen to check out his YouTube highlights?
1: Yes, and I saw the strengths and weaknesses, and I saw the fact that he's a point guard that that can't pass.
0: Well, I I, I saw some nice passes, brother.
1: There are some nice passes, but I also saw simple, basic passes that he was throwing into the stands. Mm. I also saw the fact that uh, Trey Jones ate him alive at Duke and Trey Jones is still at Duke.
0: Trey Jones is a very good defensive point guard. I will give him that. Um, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'm not and I'm not saying Kobe White doesn't come with any flaws, obviously. I mean, even the number one pick comes with some flaws. Free throw percentage. Uh possibly his weight over a period of time. You know, there's things that come with every player. That's why you take chances on them and their prospects. They're not all stars when they come right into the league, but, but I'm going to just go out and I am going to put my name on this, you know, and of course some of our guys that we always talk to, they think I'm horrible at it, but whatever. I'm going to say that I think Kobe white has the desire to get better and that he will get better. At those weaknesses, those those presumed weaknesses that he has, I think that now that this is his full time job, his career, you know, he's the type of player that will put in the work, put in the 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 the, the hours in the gym, in the weight room, you know, working on his weaknesses and then just getting better at his strengths.
1: Okay, Jordan, when he went to North Carolina University to play basketball, that was his full time job. But you
0: really, you, know you, I mean, you really, right? it's
1: not you really think he was splitting time between tests and?
0: Hey man, I don't know. Don't be trying to make no 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 conspiracy now. Nah. I, I, well, some no, of these man. guys, they still they still do that thing in the school.
1: They still they, they do, do, do that thing in classes. They do. It's no conspiracy though. I mean, some of these guys really get it in, and I ain't gonna trip. When well, you talking about a guy, he came out as a freshman. He went to the North Carolina to play basketball. He was, he was a McDonald's guy, right? I'm not mistaken. Uh, class, I believe so. His classes consisted of uh, not burning a pan when you put pizza snacks into the oven and uh, geography and any other, you know, chunk class that you can think of that they give to all the athletes that are star players on the basketball and football team.
0: Okay. <laughs> Huh? <laughs> I'm just saying, I think that he is going to be very, very good two, three years from now. He's going to really uh b- he's he's gonna grow into something very nice. Dare I say special when, when it's all said and done.
1: Special? You're going from nice now to special? Hey, Amen. Nobody else gonna say it, I might as well. Like even even if you get Full blown Gilbert Arenas. You only get three years of special from that.
0: As long as he ain't shooting people in his locker room, that's all I that's fine with me.
1: Shoot anybody. He just brought (laughs) guns. And he didn't know what he was doing when he did that because Javarz Crittenden was really about that life. Uh, Yes, he was. That dude is locked up now for murder. Oof. That's crazy. That's a name. His name on the podcast. <laughs> I am scared to say that man's name on a podcast. <laughs> but yeah, Gil, Gil, you know, and he still stays relevant in social media. But Gil just had a, a funny way about him, man. I think that added to the, the whole aura of Agent Zero and who he was. I mean, people forget how good Gil Arenas was. He Gil Arenas gave Kobe 60. Kobe, that's true. I mean, yeah, Gilbert. Yeah, but but even he pushed
0: himself to that point. That's why when you said he had three really good years, think about the years before that. Gilbert Arenas was still nice. He just wasn't Agent Zero, like I said. That's where I think Kobe White can 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 grow into a uh, uh, just a beast. It, it <laughs> all of these people. They have all these, all this talent. You look at again Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish has the physical tools to be very, very nice in the league. But more times than not, most of these people don't pan out or don't. Uh, uh, live up to their potential because they don't put in the work. And that's why you need the the the, the other part of it, which is the try-heartedness, the, the, the grit, the grind. All of that has to be inside of that person as well to say, I want to be the best version of myself. And if that best version of myself is a an all-star or just a role player or a superstar, a Hall of Famer, then I'm going to get to that level, and that's where I think I see Kobe. Why you look at his background, his story about his father motivating him, and him dying of cancer, and the way Roy Williams talked about him in his high school coach, and some of the things you can look up about how he works hard and he trains. Dude, I I, I am falling in love with this pick more and more.
1: Join. You Every time like you do your...
0: that to me, you sound like my dad, Jordan. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jordan. You... No, no, no. It's funny because that's you that's sh- when sh- I know that's when I know you're going to scold me, Jordan. That's should, not right. You,
1: you should you should get it by now. Then so, <laughs> <laughs> Jordan, do you do you really think that that legends are made just off hard work? No, le- legends are made off of hard work
0: and talent. Michael okay. Jordan had both. Kobe Bryant okay. had both.
1: LeBron had do you, both. Yes. Do you, do you think Chris Dunn doesn't work hard on this game?
0: No, he does not. I don't think he does. I think he got his pride in like taken away from Tom Thibodeau. I think he works hard, but his confidence didn't come
1: with him to Chicago. You sound like the Bulls. Chris Dunn works hard. Okay. Uh, most, most, not all. I will say not all most NBA players work hard on their game. So, now, the thing is, is what, what most players lack is the direction and the right people around them to tell them what to work on. Because I came to a conclusion, when I heard Chris Dunn, or when I heard uh, people say out of Chris Dunn's camp, that Chris Dunn didn't work on his jump shot because nobody told him he needed to work on his jump shot. Like, when I when I heard that, that didn't insinuate to me that he didn't work hard. It's just he doesn't have the right people around him. And he does not, he's not thinking. So sometimes you have to apply it properly. Let's take Michael Jordan, who's the greatest. Not comparing anyone to him because you shouldn't. But Michael Jordan, the Pistons punched him in the mouth. So Mike said, I need to get stronger. The NBA started to veer a little bit, not, not like it is now, but the NBA started to veer a little bit more to the three-point shot. So Michael Jordan said, maybe I need to work on a jump shot. Michael Jordan looked at the league in the direction in which is, it is going and worked on the records his skills to clean those things up. Or the things, he, Michael Jordan kept his ear to the earth. The things that people said he couldn't do, that summer he went out and learned to do it. People said he couldn't pass. I don't know where they got that from probably the fact that he had no one to pass, too. But people said Michael Jordan couldn't pass. He went out, came back the next year, and averaged almost nine assists a game. I mean, that's what Mike did. You just need the proper direction and drive. That remains to be seen with Kobe White. Yeah, he works hard, and I'm not going to take anything away from the kid. He may be a good NBA player. I'm not saying that either. I just say he has a very high bust potential. Because this entire draft has high bust potential. Yeah. So I'm not just singling him out. If you recall what I said, I said, hey, trade out of this draft and get a pick next year. Or get us, well, you couldn't get Mike Conley after, you know, the Jazz beat you to it. But you know, get a, a veteran point guard that can because you're looking for one in free agency. Use the pick to go get a veteran point guard and a pick. You know, but, yeah. I mean, they like, they like Kobe White. Hey, I'm a Bulls fan, man. I hope he is Gilbert Arenas. I'll take Golden State Gilbert Arenas.
0: I'll take Jamal Murray. <laughs> I'll take a faster Jamal Murray.
1: He's, he's not going to be that.
0: Why do you think Jamal Murray is a world beater already?
1: He's, he's not a world beater. He's not. Jamal Murray is the, in the top 15 in the Western Conference. Top 15 what? Top 15 player in the Western Conference last year. He uh, just missed the All-Star okay. team. Uh, okay. Alright. He just missed the All-Star
0: team,
1: right? Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Yeah. You know there's only there's only fifteen teams in the West, right? Uh, okay. All right. So and the the arrows pointed up.
0: Yeah, I would hope it is. We'll see. I stick to my to my to my opinion. I I, I think that Kobe White's gonna be very good.
1: And the other thing I, I feel with Kobe White is, like, I was looking for a more, I don't want to say traditional, but I was looking for a more polished passer. If you're going to get a, a point guard, get a more polished passer, because now, from the looks of things, the Bulls aren't going point guard in free agency, Right. Because they say they're they're still gonna gonna,
0: have Well, this. from what I heard, they're, they're still going to look for a veteran point guard. They need veterans now. They're not going to go for somebody that's going to start. I think they need a veteran point guard. They could still be looking at Patrick Beverly, who's going to demand a lot of money, but we never know. Obviously, he has a desire to come back home if the money is right, but maybe he may give a hometown discount. I think
1: Patrick Beverly... You said what? Patrick Beverly's not taking less than $10 million. Oh, I don't mind Hey, give him ten, give him eleven. If he's cool
0: with that, cool. If he's fine with mentoring a Kobe White or a Chris Dunn off the bench, I'm fine with that. I would, I would take Patrick Beverly in a heartbeat as as a backup as a backup veteran point guard because he still can bring it. As one of the best defenders in the league, so I'm with that. And that that right there, I think is a match made in heaven because you talk about some of the weaknesses of, or presumed weaknesses of a Kobe White, his defense. Well, you 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 getting mentored from one of the best to do it. Yeah, that's gonna be nice.
1: So, what do you do with Chris Dunn?
0: You package him to Cambodia and you don't look back.
1: You're making this sound like this dude's campaign.
0: Chris Dunn, a- ain't campaign, <laughs> but he can go to Cambodia. I don't care about no campaign. Don't even mention that dude's name anymore. God, why did you mention campaign? Chris Dunn is not a trash basketball player. He's not trash, but he hasn't lived up to the potential. And they've given him numerous opportunities. Chris Dunn is just as bad as having guard packs around still. Like, you've gotten your chance to get this 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 rebuild right two or three times. Why are you still here? That's how I feel about Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn has been given opportunities. He's not the guy that's going to take us to the finals or to the playoffs or whatever. We need somebody fresh. You've had your chance. Goodbye.
1: But we're looking at it, look at it like this. So if Kobe White is what, what you're leading us to believe. Right? And yeah. the front office is saying that Chris Dunn and Kobe White are gonna battle it out for the point guard spot. Right? So that right, means right, that, right. that battle is on the bench. Okay. I've been in favor of Chris Dunn as your third guard off the bench for the last two years. I think that's an ideal spot for him. So if Chris Dunn is your third guard off the bench, he can be your Patrick Beverly. Not not as tenacious defensively, but he's he's very close defensively. To well, what here's Patrick nothing. Can give you. Yeah. Okay, and, I like Rob. and yeah. at at five million less. Uh, that's that's
0: true. See, I, think about all the other point guards. Like I I do like Walt Lemon Jr. I really like Walt Lemon Jr. But maybe it's just bad timing cuz there's just too many point guards now. Sadly. Uh, whatever, dude. Walt Lemon Jr. is nice. <laughs> it's, anyway, you're a hater.
1: Okay, you you must not like Lemons or something. You you're a hater. If Walt Lemon Junior was that good, he wouldn't have been in the Bulls D League system.
0: Everybody that's in the D League isn't horrible. Look at Pascal. Then,
1: no, did you did you hear the qualifiers I gave you? And the Bulls D League system. Uh, okay, which right. means which means and by all accounts, Ryan Archidiac is better than you
0: but in fact, he isn't. If Did you look at when he came up and how he played?
1: Yeah, he was impacting winning, right? Or were those empty stuff?
0: They already were tanking by then. Stop trying to act like you don't know what
1: I'm talking about. When he came up, he scored. I mean, He got I mean, buckets, okay? I know Walt Lemon Jr. came up and got buckets, but was he getting rat king buckets? Was he the best player on a team full of nobodies? Was he getting... Baskets because other teams weren't bringing it against the Bulls. I mean, it's it's, it's a lot of factors. Okay, whatever. Walt Jr. Saying, saying. I say this again: Walt Lemon Junior is a better basketball player than I've ever been in my life. Oh God! But, but if Walt Lemon Junior was so good, we wouldn't be like <laughs> raving about going out to get Kobe White. We would just start Walt Lemon Junior and make the playoffs. No, I'm saying Walt Lemon Jr.
0: is good for his position as a as a bench point guard. Walt Lemon Jr., I would take him as a bench point guard in a hard game. Yeah, over Chris Dunn? Uh, no, no, not over Chris Dunn. No, I'm just saying I would keep him on the team. Uh, here's how my my depth chart would go as point guard if in a, in a perfect world for me, it would be Kobe White second point guard coming off the bench would be Patrick Beverly. And then the third to his back, his backup would be Chris Dunn. So now here you have two defensive dogs. One again, that is a veteran that's been to the playoffs, has gone up against the best competition, has gone, has defended the best players in the league, no matter position. Uh, And you, you can instill that in Kobe white and you can even strengthen that in Chris Dunn. And now you have, your three solid point guards on the Bulls. I think that's the route to take. And then, you know, you, you go ahead and let free of those other guys. Thank you, Archie Diacono. Thank you, Sha- Shaq Harrison. Thank you, Walt Lemon Jr. Uh, even though I do like Walt, like I said, I think there's just a logjam at that position now.
1: And then you have Shaq Harrison, who seems to have a following uh, amongst Bulls fans.
0: Those are your tryhards right there, Ryan and uh, Shaq.
1: Those are the tryhards. I just, I'm so, uh, as a fan base, Bulls fans, it's hard enough when you do demand more to get more. Do not allow this front office to get you to a point where you're not demanding more. Do not allow this front office to get you to the point where you're sitting there like, Oh man, I wish we had Shaq Harrison. Oh, I wish we had David Nawaba. Stop. These are on NBA level du- negligible players. These are negligible players on NBA level, meaning you can put somebody else in that spot and you won't miss a thing.
0: Would you have kept would you have uh kept Nawaba over Valentine?
1: What difference would it make?
0: I'm just asking. You need
1: Nuwaba, only the only difference it would have made was Nawaba would have played. So if
0: you I keep like Nawaba.
1: If you keep Nawaba over Denzel Valentine, Nawaba doesn't get hurt in the ankles again. You don't see Walt Lemon, who, you, who people fell in love with. You don't bring up the the long list of Samson people that you bring up. Either way, David Nawabba or Den- or hurt Denzel Valentine I'm checking out a Bulls basketball season by the game by game 20. Either way. Because they were... Yeah. The only thing that David Noir would have done was actually did the 100 push-ups that Jim Boyle wanted everybody to do. <laughs> I get it. I get... I get like, I'm willing to give Kobe White a chance. He's new. He's young. He's just drafted. Hey, you gotta get a kid a shot, right? Right. But... Like we start pining for these G Leaguers, man. We start pining for them, and I wish, I wish all of them all the best. I wish Walt Lemon and I wish Shaq Harrison and David Nawalk and all these. I wish them all the best success in the league. But it's like we ended up we're ending up arguing over who we're going to keep as the twelfth guy on the bench, as if the top five guys starting on a concern. Like that's set, right? That's settled. We got a championship starting five. Let's start talking about the bench. No. no. This is a twenty-two win team last year. Twenty-two win. True. And we got fan bases. Is, is talking like, well we only need this piece and we no. You need things. Will natural progression and health take care of it? Possibly. I hope Lowry continues to grow and develop. But something needs to happen. Something ain't clicking. Because you got talent on the the front line. When I say front line, you start your first six or seven. There's talented players there, but something ain't clicking. The health ain't good. It's not all the players' fault. So every player is getting hurt on their own. You're gonna make me go to Bulls run again, Jordan. Let
0: me stop now. I was about to say you might want to stop because we're going to take four hours just to talk about this.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So Kobe White, Jordan Jordan is is very pro-Kobe White. I'm skeptical, but hey, Jordan's always pro-everything and I'm always skeptical. So nothing's really changed there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm about the peace, man. Come on. Positivity, dude.
1: (laughs) God. Jordan's a very positive guy, and I'm just like, yeah. Uh, he plays basketball like a girl. All right, <laughs> Let me stop, Let me stop. Before people take that the wrong way in this in this very PC society, I was just saying. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. I was just saying girls basketball. <laughs> that being said, Jordan wanted to talk about his friend Levar Ball getting kicked off ESPN. Now, some people think it's a bad thing.
0: I say getting kicked off ESPN isn't possibly the worst thing that ever happened to somebody's life. <laughs> I'm j I'm just kinda a, a little it's a little questionable about how, how on on how it happened. Uh you know, I, I don't think LeVar Ball probably cares. LeVar Ball is gonna find his way to some some camera or some TV screen, some kind of video. But uh yeah, ESPN banned LeVar Ball recently because there was a segment with him, Stephen A, Max Kellerman, and Molly Quareham. And uh they were talking, you know, him and Stephen A were going back and forth over talking to each other, having a good laugh, you know, nothing too crazy. And then Molly Quirum, you know, who is supposed to kinda balance everything out and kind of control chaos. <laughs> Yeah, mediate. Thank you. Yeah, perfect word. Mediate what happens when they go into the next segment. So she tries to do that. So she kind of interrupts and says, hey, hey, guys, you know, I, we, LeVar, can I switch gears with you for a second, please? And LeVar pretty much says, well, you can switch gears with me anytime. And Right then and there, it was taken as a sexual approach, something that was very inappropriate, vulgar. And you could see the facial reaction of Molly. She was like, oh, well, okay." She kind of smirked, had a like a shocked look and then was like, well, let's stay focused. And then Stephen A said, oh, come on, man, really looked at him for a second, tried to keep a straight face. And LeVar had a serious face the whole time. When they panned back to him, it was almost as if he didn't know he said anything wrong, which leads me to believe that he didn't think anything of what he said and that he didn't mean what everybody else with their nasty mind thought, which was, hey... You can we can play around with each other anytime. And that's not what I think he meant. He's a he's a married man. He always speaks highly of his wife who deals with health issues and always talks about her. So I, I, I'm actually gonna give LeVar a pass on this one, in my opinion. I think it was overblown, but ESPN obviously wanted to get rid of LeVar probably ten years ago, so
1: so I don't think it was him. I'm going to take a little bit of what you said. I just think he wasn't thinking. Like, right? when you are a world-renowned scumbag, (laughs) you have to know that people are (laughs) going to comb over your every word. Now, that phrase that he used, or the turn on that phrase, it can be taken that way. Right, And because it can be taken that way, he shouldn't have said it. Yeah, right. I mean, it, it's gotten to the point, and I'm not excusing anybody, not accusing anyone, because I'm going to play the middle on this because I like people to listen to my podcast. But it's gotten to the <laughs> point that you have to analyze everything you say through every possible window because it can always be turned on you you have because as a society we've gotten to the point we hop and jump on every single word and we analyze everything oh what do you mean well you just can't we're uber sensitive and in some ways it's good in some ways it's not i think there's a lot of things that could be let go today and they just aren't but when you're talking about media and a company right now that is very concerned with this fan base and continuing to to thrive financially, you had to know that was going to happen. He may have been oblivious to it. He may have been. But in in hindsight, he's got to look back and say, oh, yeah, and maybe even offer an apology. Now, LeVar doesn't seem like the apologizing type, but right. I mean, he he may have to do that because it's it's that he that was a slippery slope there, and then the woman's husband works for ESPN, so I wasn't a big fan of that. But anyway, <laughs> um, <having> that. <laughs> uh, exactly. So I mean, that to me that might be added pressure there. But you know that aside that that's. That's very minor, if a factor at all. But Lavar has to be careful and watch right. what he says. And he's not, he's, not the, uh, he's not the most successful person at watching what he says.
0: Right. And, and that, that, that in itself is the reason why I say I, I kind of feel like I give him a pass and that he just doesn't know what he was saying because he's impulsive like that. He just says stuff without talking. When you say that you can beat Michael Jordan one-on-one, your your brain is just completely made with mashed potatoes. So you're like your 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 brain dead. So, I don't think he he realized that what he said could be taken as as it was.
1: And there's that. Yep. So you're basically excusing him of wrongdoing because he's a moron.
0: I'm excusing him of wrongdoing because of what I saw, his facial reaction. He didn't have, like, that smirk, like, you know, what he was insinuating. Like, he knew what he meant. Like, yeah, you can do that with me anytime. <laughs> like, you know, there's certain responses and facial expressions and reactions of things that make you see or help you to see, okay, this is what he meant by that. He was the only one who didn't react that way. He kept a straight face. I don't think he knew that. That I don't think he... uh I think he knew that that's not what he meant and he didn't have to explain himself. Cause you know how LeVar Ball is. If, if he felt like that's what he said, he probably wanted to explain himself in the moment, but because he didn't think that he did anything wrong, he just kept him moving and was ready for her to ask whatever questions she had. So that's why I think it was overblown. Uh, but it is what it is, man. I just wanted to comment on that for a second. I think that they were looking for a way to get him off their air anyway. <laughs>
1: I mean, it's very, it's very possible, but I mean, he has to, again, he has to understand uh, what's, what's going on. And there are some people, Jordan, that they do things like that and their mind is so twisted that they are oblivious, but they're, they bank on the fact that you look at their mind as being twisted so they can get away with it. Mm,
0: That's a good point too.
1: Some people make it very far in life, very high ranking positions like that. Just saying, yeah, yep. But we're not gonna we're not gonna dwell on that. All right. <laughs> our new regular segment, segment the Staios list, ensues, and our Staios list this week talks about the beloved Bulls. Uh yes. We talk about the seven best Chicago Bulls since Michael Jordan. So, Michael Jordan retired from the Chicago Bulls for the final time in 1998. So, you know what that means. Scottie Pippen you are not eligible for this list.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's not he's not on there.
1: Even though Tony Kukoc spent a very A tough one year without the Jordan clan. I don't think he's eligible for this list either. His glory days were with Mike as well. Yeah. So the seven best Bulls post Jordan era. Number seven. Are we doing this in a row or are we just rolling off names? And oh, we're
0: off names. I don't think that uh, we have to go like from seven to one. Like, who is the best? Even though we kind of know who number one is, and not being biased, but he truly is number one. But whatever. <laughs>
1: oh, you're funny. So, <laughs> number seven, Lou Day. Well, yes, Lou Day. Right,
0: Lou Day. Uh, yeah, I, I I'm with that. I can go Lou all I think he is one of the seven best players since the glory days. Uh, Lou Aldang is a very steady, was a very steady bulls player, very steady presence, very good on both ends of the court. Uh, wasn't the most athletic, but he got the job done. Another dookie who, uh, just knew how to play basketball, man. Very fundamental play within himself. Uh, didn't really do a whole lot of wrong things. Uh, didn't, uh, wasn't a detriment to to, to the team. Uh, always always played very very good.
1: Yeah, Lou Aldang, of course. Um, like you said, wasn't athletic. Uh, known for not being able to totally create his own shot. Had some dribbling issues. Uh, he's DeAndre Hunter. So, oh wow. <laughs> actually, no, I take that back. Lou Aldang had a better college career than DeAndre Hunter. Yeah, he did. But right. Very serviceable. Very solid defender. Not the greatest. Uh, they kept shoving him on LeBron, so he got more credit than he deserved. Time Thibodeau made him uh, made the best of him. And the Bulls tried to make the worst of him, uh, giving him that spinal tap for his own flu. As when they, He might have meningitis. No, he's got the flu. Oh, well, we already gave him a spinal tap. <laughs> <sighs> Bulls. Oh, okay, sorry. Sorry. So, uh number six, Kirk Heinrich. Kirk Heinrich is not the uh Kirk Heinrich doesn't have a huge fan base. Kirk Heinrich was serviceable for quite a few years. And that yeah. that baby Baby Bull's era, he was the, the, the guy, the league guy, the microcosm of the team. He was John Paxton's hard extension on the court. Um made the USA Olympic team wasn't wasn't great but good, um, solid defender gave D actually used to give D Wade fits. yeah, um, which is interesting, and then D Wade dislocated his elbow.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's a little payback,
1: <laughs> yeah. Kurt Harris tried to reach in off that screen, and D Wade was like, "Let me drive forward on it." Um, <laughs> I'm sick any, of the- any thoughts on Kirk Heinrich? There, Jordan.
0: Uh yeah, very good defender. Uh, I loved Kirk Heinrich's pedigree. Obviously, you mentioned the same uh, the the guy who we all wished failed to the Bulls in the same year of the draft, Dwayne Wade. But uh, yeah, Kirk Heinrich. I won't say was a, a con- good consolation prize, but he held his own. He did what he needed to do. He was a serviceable point guard. I definitely agree. During those uh, those bad years, the Baby Bulls era, uh, very one, another one of those try-hard type players. Good three-point shooter. Uh, yeah, Kirk Hyrick is one of the top seven bulls of uh, after the glory days. I got you.
1: Yeah, that the Wade way the thing hurt, actually. As much as I have disdain for D. Wade, as uh, most of my friends know, and I probably have led on during this podcast, I wanted Dwayne Wade in the draft. Yeah, I really did. did old too. Pat Riley got the Bulls again. Yeah. Think, after Jordan, Pat Riley is probably the Bulls' biggest nemesis. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, he, he, de- he definitely, he definitely got us. He definitely got That's us. I was looking it. forward to it.
1: A lot of post-Jordan payback from Pat Riley. He's like, oh, now Big Brother's gone. Yep. I'm going to get you. And then he retires Jordan's number in Miami. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Pat. Crazy. Crazy, bro. Crazy. (laughs) Number five, Joakim Noah. Oh, yeah. Joakim Noah was a defensive player of the year, even though Nene didn't get the memo. He was Defensive Player of the Year, uh, was getting an awful lot of triple-doubles from the center position. It's very classic uh, in the way he was doing it. Uh, In fact, we've uh, had a name for those things. Anytime someone gets a low-point triple-double here, we call it the Joe Game Noah here on the Stay House podcast. So uh, he's made a name with us. He's made a name with us. As much grief as I've given know over the years, he was very good. Uh, what, two, three-time All-Star? Very serviceable. Uh, did his job very well. Maximized his ability. He truly maximized his ability. He got the most out of his potential. And you, know, you notice a lot of these guys get the most out of their potential when Tom Spivita was here. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. All right. How's that coaching thing working out for you, Bulls?
0: Apparently, very nice. They got their guy.
1: Yeah, they always have like their guy. So here's the thing, and and people see me, you know, shouting from the mountaintops with Tibbs. Look, Tibbs was Tibbs was a great coach for here for the team you had. Okay, he went elsewhere, and they let him. You know, they gave him the keys to the kingdom. They let him be the team president and everything. And he showed that wasn't the greatest thing to do, but at the same time, it's just like there's a there's a makeup, and Jimmy Butler pointed this out in so many ways. The makeup of that team mentally wasn't designed for Tibbs to thrive in Minnesota. You know, a little, a little entitlement without the work. Like, at least Jimmy Butler, his entitlement came with work. He's delusional, but his entitlement came with work. <laughs> those guys out there, you know, it was just like they made the playoffs kind of sort of once. And and then Clint Capella gave Cat his lunch for the whole series. and uh, Just Clint Capella was just taking Carl Anthony Towns lunch all series. Yeah. And then, you know, it was, you know, those were the days of yore. But we're not talking about the Timberwolves, we're talking about the Bulls. So, was that number five, Joakim Noah?
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. Joakim Noah, very good uh, player for the Bulls. The definition of hustle, energy, heart, Uh, like you said, I agree with you fully. He uh, maximized his potential. Uh, very good, uh, adapter as well when, uh, they needed kind of like a, uh, he was like a point center, uh, that year that he, uh, they kind of switched up the style, the game style, and he would play up top and try to, uh, facilitate the offense. I thought that was pretty unique, but he did a very good job of that. Uh, really love Joy King Noah, his passion, uh, his, his craziness, uh, the things he said about Cleveland and just uh just all around, man. The dude dude just represented the true definition of the city very well. Very hard worker. Definitely,
1: definitely. Well said, Jordan. See, oh. you, you need Jordan's positivity sometimes, because I I had a hard time wording it.
0: <laughs> Even for Joe Keep Noah, I thought Joe keep was a dude, was, was that dude.
1: I like Joakim Noah. Like, Joakim Noah is a guy I love to hang out with in a smokeless room. But, <laughs> okay. you know, I, when when waxing about his playing days and his playing abilities, sometimes I get at a loss for words. Just Joakim Noah. Wasn't a lot to his game. <laughs> I that was you. five, right? So four,
0: Benji, Ben Gordon. I was about to say, when you go going to put him in there?
1: Oh yeah, BG baby. Ben Gordon had some huge games. He was the linchpin of that that historic Boston Celtics series. Yes. That was really the the beginning of that that Bulls era. That was going to uh, press on for a few years when when you got the the new the new kid that came in that we'll talk about later. Ben Gordon was an electric scorer, just short and bad on defense. But, man, he could get buckets in bunches, dude. Yes, he could. (laughs) You talking about somebody who could just come in and just, you know he's going to give you 30 off the bench? Like, Like, what Luke Williams is right now, that was Ben, man. Yeah. That was Ben. It's, it's you know, and, and you you missed that that level of scoring, but eventually, you know, he had to go to make way uh for the, the new kid on the block. He was taking away too much, taking away too many shots, he was taking the ball out of his hands because he's very ball-dependent. But Ben Gordon was a heck of a score. One heck of a score for the Bulls.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh <laughs> Soon as he came in the league from UConn, I was high on him. I remember they said, "Who do you predict to have the the most scoring as a rookie?" They said this dude was going to average, I think, close to twenty one when he came to the league. Like that's how prolific of a scorer he was. Very good, just shooter. Uh, I loved his shot. Fourth quarter, he was clutch. I think that rookie year, he was always coming up clutch in the fourth quarter uh, by statistics. Uh, he would score a lot of his points when it mattered uh Ben Gordon is one of my favorite bulls after the glory days uh kind of mad that they had traded him when they did but uh it was probably time because of course another person came in and needed to be the man so uh yeah Ben Gordon that dude I agree he uh he definitely had his years in Chicago where he was uh he he was doing his thing so I'm I'm right with you on that one
1: Ben Gordon Number three. how's a little Elton Brand for you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Huh? Huh? I'm with you on that. Yeah. 20 and 10 the first two years. I'm with you.
1: Elton Brand came in and wrecked shot. He was, uh, he made the Bulls watchable when he came into the league as the top pick. Elton Brand, he's he's, he's got big hands. He's uh Jerry <laughs> Cross's last to me his last great move. The trade for Tyson and Eddie was in. And that, that was that was kind of it. But Elvin Brand was solid. He you recognize that Elton Brand wasn't the, the, the number one guy on a championship team. But he made Bulls games entertaining during that time period. You thought you were gonna have something, I think, with um was he still? Yeah, he was. Was he still here when the Jay Williams thing happened? No, no, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. no, no, no. You thought you were gonna have a, a building block with him because, like you said, he was given twenty and ten uh, on a regular basis. Borderline all star. A couple years, he did make the all star team once. He left and played for some uh, teams with a little more success in the win column. But Eldon right. Brand was solid. It was like three years he was here. Very
0: solid for those three years. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm with you on that. Uh Eldon Brand came in. Another dookie uh, that that just came in and, and dominated 20 and 10, like I said, uh back when the NBA still uh valued the post and uh working in the paint. He had very good moves. Uh I, th- I remember I was irritated when they traded him and he went to LA and had some really good years with the Clippers uh, But yeah, Elton brand definitely was a was a dog when he was at his time and uh, for those first couple of years Even though that was the Tim Floyd era when they I think they only won 15 games one year like those some putrid bulls teams but the fact that he still did what he did when there were no really other options on the team and you know, the defense could key in on him, and he still did what he did. Uh, that that says a lot about the type of game he had back then. So, EB is definitely
1: on his list. Definitely, definitely. Number two. <laughs> Do you know who it is, Jordan?
0: I got a few people that I would put on this list, but I want to I see what you,
1: you think. At number two? The second best player since Jordan? You
0: got yeah, you there? well, there's 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 actually a few people I will put on this list in
1: addition to the other people we mentioned. Because there's the, oh, I, got, I, but, I got a couple yeah. honorables. But at number two, I mean, because we kind of kept rank here. We didn't. That was not our goal, but we've kind of pretty kept it. We've kind of kept yeah. it pretty well organized, rank wise. So the second yeah. best player since Jordan is obviously Jimmy Butler.
0: Oh yeah, yeah okay yeah I'm I'm tripping. You're right,
1: you're right. Yeah, Jimmy Butler. Uh, say what I will about him, and I will say it. But <laughs> <laughs> look, man, look, Jimmy Butler is a baller. All right, he's a hoop yes baller. he is yes he is he, he gets down. I like Jimmy when he first came in the league. He showed that he had that hustle that defensive prowess. We saw it, you know, in spurts against what Carmelo when Luol Deng got in foul trouble. Yeah. That's when we were introduced to Jimmy Butler. And I'm like, this kid got something. You need to play him. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't know he was going to play the team. <laughs> but Jimmy <laughs> Butler, solid man, solid skills. He he worked very hard to get, get to where he was and as far as his skill set. Uh, developed very well. Went got to Got it done in the gym. Uh, he put in the work. You know, he always fought. He, from the bottom-up type cat. You know, I always admire him for that. It's the Hollywood stuff that aggravates me about him. But overall, Jimmy Butler is a baller, multiple-time all-star. Uh, I think all of the, all uh, defensive second team before, right? And uh, yeah. all NBA third team, if I'm not mistaken. So when we talk about Jimmy Butler, you're talking about a guy who... Who's done some some great
0: things in the Chicago Bulls uniform? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I, I I I don't know why I forgot about him for a second. Uh, but who that's like a sin. Who can who can forget about Jimmy Butler? I mean, he, despite the Hollywood ego and the act and the, just the drama behind Jimmy Butler, he made himself into. a a all-star not a superstar an all-star and uh that's that's very very commendable and that's why you want somebody as we talked about earlier who has such a competitive drive that they push themselves to to even greater heights than expected and uh jimmy butler is the definition of that as well uh you know very very good on defense a very good two-way player even when he was getting started here in chicago uh Kind of did the bulls dirty at the end. Uh, wanted a little bit too much shine. Not a very good team player when it comes to, you know, the betterment of the team versus him and what Jimmy wants. But uh, you can't deny his 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 skill level and uh, where it got to. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that, Jimmy Butler. He he definitely got buckets. Yeah, I'm not gonna call
1: him that other thing, but Jimmy Butler's. Um... <laughs> he's good at basketball. Still is good at basketball. He's in the playoffs <laughs> with the Sixers. He's just not a guy that as your first, as your main guy, he's not going to get you past the first round of the NBA playoffs. But he can be a valuable piece of today's NBA where you need two or three to succeed.
0: That's right.
1: And number one is number one, as Jordan pointed out earlier.
0: Oh, yeah. Cameron Payne, baby.
1: I will end yeah. this podcast right now. Uh,
0: <laughs> Rusty LaRue!
1: <laughs> oh man. Like, we could do we could do a stay off list of the worst bulls, but it would be so long. We would we would have to we would have to delete all our other segments. We'd have to spend an entire episode on bad bulls.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's too many to count.
1: <laughs> There's too many. You just named two. Very easily.
0: Uh Let's see. Eddie Robinson, Dolly Boer reach Ron Mercer, uh, Eddie Curry. Uh, <laughs> the Like, there's plenty.
1: <laughs> Marcus oh, T. Okay. Um, oh, my God. And this is, all, this is all post-Jordan. We're not even going into Jordan-era balls.
0: Yep, yep, just, yep,
1: yep. We were so euphoric we so with glory. And... and <laughs> Mystified by what number 23 was when we ignored the bombs, but now you get to focus on oh. them more because your team's bad.
0: Yeah. <sighs> but I get that, let's, let's get to the real number one.
1: So, number one is Derrick Rose. Uh single Heavenly be most, honestly, I love Scotty. I love Scotty. In Bulls' history, Derrick Rose is the second most electrified player to ever win Bulls' jersey. Derek Rose made Bulls basketball must watch again. When we were growing up, Jordan, I'm a little older, but when we were growing up and Bulls were coming on,
0: 7
1: o'clock, 7 30, you knew where everybody in Chicago was going to be. Absolutely.
0: You we're going to be sitting there
1: watching the Bulls win or lose to see what this 23 guys is Because you're going to see something that's unreal tonight. Yep. The same became true of Derrick Rose, man. Like, to, to think that Derrick Rose played, what, five, four or five years before he tore his knee up? Uh, yeah, I think
0: four, yeah.
1: <laughs> to squeeze that much excitement. Have you ever seen a Derrick Rose highlight reel? I'm talking to the wrong guy. You've seen a Derrick Rose highlight reel, Jordan. You've got forty minutes of highlights from four years of basketball.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I, I've I've watched my my share of uh, plenty of of Derrick Rose highlights over and over, especially as when have, he went down.
1: As have I, and one tear came down my eye, like Denzel Washington in glory <laughs> or like Eric Benet in concerts. <laughs> <laughs> but like I, I hated that that happened I hated that that happened like, Derrick Rose is about to revolutionize point guard basketball yeah I mean do we do we understand that do we understand that Derrick Rose is about to change the game and they have still succeeded in doing so changing the game like the fascination that people have with Russell Westbrook and De'Aaron Fox right now, which is well-founded because those guys are good and fast and strong. Derrick Rose was all of those things. Derrick Rose was 6'3 LeBron. Yeah. Yeah. Like, LeBron James viewed Derrick Rose as a legit threat. Please believe me when I say that. A legit Threat. And I go as far as to say the only reason, because that Miami series, it was a gentleman's sweep, but it was much closer than that, in my opinion. The only reason Derrick Rose couldn't finish those games was because Derrick Rose had uh, sprained both ankles to the end of that season. And he wasn't as quick as he needed to be. I think he even sprained his ankle in the, in the playoffs against the, the Hawks. Yeah. And then that very next year, where he tore his ACL, we were, we as Bulls fans were looking for championship gold.
0: Yeah, that was our year.
1: And Derek Rose is a linchpin and all of that. Do people realize that we gave love to Lou Allen and Joe King okay, Noah, but they were regular guys? Do people realize the level of one, re- I always say this, Derrick Rose's knees gave because he was bum hoisted. <laughs> like, he, he was the clear, defined leader of that team going into the series with three Hall of Famers. Yep. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's true. One of the best series I've ever seen. Yeah, I know. I'm, gonna
1: let, I'm gonna let Jordan wax about Derrick Rose because he probably has way more to say
0: than <laughs> well, I do. Well, I I just feel like we got robbed of Derrick Rose's great years, and if that's crazy to say, because the years that we saw were so special. And You're talking about the youngest MVP in the league ever in history. That that's not something to sneeze at. That's just not saying. Oh well, he got the scoring title or defensive play. The youngest MVP in the league ever. So, even if people want to argue that, well, LeBron should have still had it that year. Okay, whatever. I'm fine with that. It could have gone to LeBron, but it didn't. Yeah. And nah, you say nah? No, nah. <laughs> nah.
1: that was the first nah. year LeBron joined two other Hall of Famers. He wasn't going to get the MVP.
0: Well, there it is, and that's why he didn't get it. Yep, I agree. But D Rose was so special, man. I mean, you 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 saw it—the hang time, the athletic ability. He changed the way you know point guards played. And and, in my opinion, the way he played, it was going to revolutionize the position. And like you said, it very may well have. Done so still because you look at players like a Russell Westbrook who came in with him. uh, They worked out together. You know, Russell Westbrook is what Derrick Rose should have been, you know, at his peak. Maybe not as many assists. I don't know. Maybe not as many rebounds, but we all know Russell Westbrook goes stat hunting. So that's that's neither here nor there. However. Derek was special, man. I'm not going to say too much. I mean, we all know that's the reason why he's number one. The dude could do a whole lot. He carried those teams. He, like you say, he was a clear-cut leader. Not even just because uh, of, you think of a leader, you know, he wasn't as vocal. He wasn't as, you know, somebody who had to bark at you to say, hey, go do this. He wasn't like a Mike, an MJ-type leader, but he just led by what he did on the court. And the people follow. Joachim Noah was a huge fan of Derrick Rose and the way he played. You know, you just rooted for a guy like that. He, he at 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 his peak, he was very good on both ends of the floor. He wasn't a a, a a bum on defense either, you know, because of his athletic ability. And just to think what he could be doing now. You know, still being able to do some of those very same things had he not gotten hurt. Just one of those big what ifs when you look back at, you know, people's careers. What if Derrick Rose never tore his ACL and his meniscus and all these other injuries that's continue to pile and pile on? And yet he's still relevant. 19 points last year, still relevant. Career high in points last year, still relevant. Like, it's insane the amount of comeback he has and the amount of drive he has. That that you can't teach. So yeah, I'ma digress. Derrick Rose, definitely number one since MJ. Definitely the second best player of all time to Don the Bulls
1: jersey. There it is, people. No, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. What? Whoa, 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 let's, let's not go that far.
0: What wait a minute.
1: What? whoa, Derek, uh, Derek Rose is the second most exciting bull ever. He's the third best
0: bull ever. So there's MJ and then there's who? There's Scotty. Yeah. I have an argument against that, but I mean, I'm not bad at it. So, okay, fine. Two or three. I say two. You say three. Well, we'll, you, we'll you, take, you,
1: you, take, you take the MVP I, and, and that's fine. I give you that. Only He's the only other bull to win an MVP. But my argument is Scotty would have won the MVP if Akeem and wouldn't have had like an unreal year that year.
0: I agree with you. I'm not going to argue with you. I, I think it's just a matter of personal bias. I, 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 I'm I'm with I'm with D Rose number two.
1: Okay, but there you have it. It's the Stays list the five best fools post Michael Jordan. It was number seven, Luau Dang. Number six, Kurt Heinrich. Number five, Joaquin Noah. Number four, Ben Gordon. Number three, Elton Brand. Number two, Jimmy Butler. number one, Derek Rose. So we got you may agree, you may disagree. We're going to cut it off there. We have honorable mentions. We may not even agree with our own list, When we have honorable mentions. We're not even going to say them. We want you to discuss. We want you to reach out to us if you have some other thoughts on Twitter, as well as Instagram, at StAOS Podcast, at Staios Podcast, Twitter and Instagram. We also have set up a Stayos line. We're going to try to get that going where you can uh, leave voicemails and text messages, preferably text messages to the line, preferably text messages. But we have set up the Staios line, and we'll get you that number very soon once we finish setting that up and me and Jordan have to uh, some terms on that. Yes, sir. But our final segment is our beloved segment. We're going to make it uh, quick, fast, and in a hurry. Uh, we don't want to overwhelm you with so much chaos knowledge. Your brain might explode. <laughs> but it's the beloved Grub Report. And this week, we're going to do another battle. And in this battle, of course, there has to be a winner and a loser, but ultimately there are losers in this battle. We got Steak and Shake versus Culver's.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So you can go to either and your life will be great. But let's battle. Best burgers, Jordan.
0: Uh, I'm gonna go, and like you said, you can't go wrong with either one. I've been to both, uh, Steak and Shake. My favorite burger is the Frisco Melt. Uh, very, very. Buddies. What? I said buddies. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was to say, uh, do we just become best friends? To... Yep.
1: Uh, um, <laughs> sandwich is awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm 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 with the Frisco melt. Uh
1: Culver's though,
0: I I don't know. Maybe it's just because I, I have there's a Culver's that's located around my house. Uh much closer than the steak and shake that uh, I know of. I believe that's in uh Monster. But uh yeah. the Culver's to me, I think, is is kind of takes the cake. Because they have some very, very good selections. I think they have a, a, a bigger variety of burgers. The Wisconsin uh, Cheddar Burger is, is very good, or Butter Burger is very good. Uh, their fries are better to me than than Steak and Shakes. I think Steak and Shakes fries are they're kind of blah, kind of bland. Yes.
1: Uh,
0: I want to say that their shakes. Are Okay, but the Culver's Concrete Mixers are to die for. The Concrete Mixers are very good. Uh, There's one in particular that I always get when I go there. I mix up a little caramel, salted caramel with some chocolate and some strawberry. And uh, that's divine. But uh, I'm going to go with Culver's overall as the better burger place just by a smidge.
1: So, I think the burgers are better at steak and shake. I like the variety better. There's nothing that compares to the Frisco Colors. I'm sorry, there's nothing yeah uh, yeah we're we're ranking yeah number one Frisco yeah, so the burgers the burgers are better there There may be this, a similar amount of burgers, but I think steak and shake goes in a lot more directions with their burgers, which gives you a little more diversity, like you said, the fries. I mean, Culver's smashes steak and shake on fries. I think with steak and shake, that's what they really focus on, burgers and shakes. And I think the fries are kind of an afterthought, and they want you to feel that way when you come into their restaurant. Like, yeah, you get these fries, but it's ultimately about our burger and our shake. Yeah. The shakes or the ice cream, I do love the concrete mixers. At Culver's they do more with their ice cream. So they get a slight edge. But the shake game at steak and shake. So you gotta get the right shake, Jordan. And see the thing is, the the only thing that works in Culver's favor is anything you can get at steak and shake, you can probably get at Culver's, but not vice versa. So mm-hmm. you can get a shake, you can get a shake from Culver's that you can get from Steak and Shake, but you can't get everything at Steak and Shake that you can get at Culver's. But I'm going to put you on something, okay? You listening? Okay. Let's let's get it. What you got? You told me me about the the caramel chocolate strawberry, right? Yeah. Do this Oreo cookie and strawberry. Oreo Uh cookie and strawberry.
0: (laughs) All right. I'll I'll be sure to. uh, Yeah, I'll be sure to be near a bathroom afterwards, but I will try it. Oh, well, you're going
1: to have to go to the bathroom anyway. Especially after that concrete mixer. <laughs> that's custom based. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot of dairy, brother. It's a lot of dairy. But you gotta you got you gotta go before five on Sunday it's over. So you're gonna get that concrete mixer. Because you 'Cause you're gonna be ruined for work tomorrow. Yeah. Can't make it in, boss. Had that concrete it's- mixer.
0: There's been side story, there's been plenty of a morning where I've gotten up and I've had to hurry
1: up and get to work. I'll just say that. Mm, concrete mixer. And then your boss will understand, it's like, oh really? Why'd you do it so late? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. So I think our our final uh our final vote on this. We're going to go with Culver's. That's, that's, I think that's our decision. Yeah. Culver's yeah, totally. is a better experience than overall than the Steak and Shake. But I will leave you with this caveat. You can't go wrong with either. And Steak and Shake has gotten to the point where you get a little more for your money than you do with Culver's. Like Steak and Shake has some borderline McDonald's offers. And When I say that, not food is better by far. But you can go to Steak and Shake and kind of feed a family of four on like $22. It didn't used to be like that. And it definitely ain't like that at Culver's. Yeah. If if you want to go for the cheap, you can hit Steak and Shake, get quality food at a good price. If you want to be all fancy and schmancy, you can go to Culver's. Get better food, but you will pay for better food overall.
0: Yeah, it's That's worth it. it. Even one,
1: It's worth it. We'd like to thank you all for tuning in yet again to another episode of the Stay Outs Podcast, the legendary Stay House Podcast. Even yes, Sean Devlin loves it. Even Sean <laughs> Devlin knows it. Yes, he does. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> So, again, we'd like to thank him. Uh, can't thank him enough for contributing his expertise to the show. We'd like to thank you, the Staios listener, for continuing to uh, give us the listens, give us the follows, uh, hitting us up on, on Twitter, uh, talking with us on Twitter, chatting back, arguing, Instagramming. Uh, even in our chats, we'd like to thank everybody for arguing with us. That gives us uh, food for the podcast, you know, We'd like to thank everybody that's, that's been connected directly and inc- indirectly to the Stay us Podcast. Follow us on social media at Stay us Podcast, Instagram, as well as Twitter. The handle remains the same. I'm Chris. George with me. I'll let you. Yes, sir.